sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. And welcome back. We're at the top of the hour here on Sports Grid on Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia. We're going to get to our headlines in just a sec. Happy holidays to everybody watching out there. Thanks for making us your choice in the afternoons every day. Joe and I are live 12 to 2 Eastern on a lot of streaming platforms. Too many to mention. You can learn more about those at sportsgrid.com. If you're watching us on demand, especially on YouTube, please give us a like and subscribe to the show. So whenever the show is over, send that on over to you. You can watch it at your leisure. But Joe... Of course, we have some big college basketball games getting ready to go off tonight. Saturday is definitely posed a very interesting dilemma for a lot of people between college and pro football. And then, of course, there are some folks who are going to need a win to get to that championship in the NFL fantasy football playoff. So that's where we'll begin today. Yeah, and already some COVID issues going on. One running back that we might be counting on has got pins in his fingers there's a lot of things to deal with. And of course, another week of Christian McCaffrey drama. So, I mean, it is, you know, it has not been a clean season from start to finish. We expected nothing less, but it's been consistent. That's the one thing you could say about 2020. Consistency has been there. And and yes, you know, you should give this page a like on YouTube and you should subscribe. I mean, I don't know why anyone wouldn't. In fact, I think we should have a commercial where, where maybe you and I look glaringly into the camera, play a little Sarah McLaughlin music, maybe get people to feel bad for us. Please help out. A fantasy sports broadcaster today for just one click you can subscribe to sports grid and you can sponsor a host here on the channel and it means so much you could do it with just so little just a little click and then of course the little sarah mclaughlin music does that does that commercial make you depressed automatically do you have to change the channel uh, when it a comes little bit on? joe you, you had you had me at the top of the show with excitement and now you've brought me you brought me down well, I'm trying to get our likes. I'm trying. I'm trying to pander for some likes and some subscriptions. We got to do some. Okay. Sol- I mean, well, you can you know, we pan, pander away. Different angles. Different angles. I right? come after it tomorrow. We very pander excitable away. today. Today it's please. It's the holidays. Look into your okay. hearts. Hey, uh, here are our headlines. No more of that. Here are our headlines. <laughs> get your popcorn ready for college football, uh, college basketball today. Pitt Miami uh, a little bit later today. Pitt's a three point favorite. How about Ohio State Purdue Purdue. Came in as a big favorite over Miami last week. Right before the game, they announced five players weren't going to play. Miami beat Purdue. <laughs> it was just wild. They only had a scholarship guy there last week. Uh, Vanderbilt and Richmond tipping off. Uh, Brett Levy's probably in on Richmond again. I'm not listening to him, that's for sure. Seattle Mariners acquire Rafael Montero from the Texas Rangers. There's been a little bit of baseball movement. We're going to talk some baseball coming up in a little bit. Henry Ruggs not going to play on Thursday. I believe I saw that. He's added to the COVID-19 mm-hmm. list, so he is out. And as Joe mentioned earlier, Ronald Jones is the running back that has a pin put in his finger. I don't think that that will affect him all that much. I mean, Fournette was inactive last week. I I can't imagine that Jones is not going to play in this game. So that's kind of where we'll start today. And then we'll get to Dr. Chow coming up in about uh, five minutes from now. Now, pins in your fingers does not sound comfortable. I mean, I understand he doesn't have to catch the ball that much. He just got to hold the ball into the ball. But still, that seems like a, a lot to ask. And Yes, Ronald Jones will be on the field, but is he going to get 18 carries like he got last week? I don't know. And what's going on with these guys in Tampa with the fingers? I mean, Godwin's got pins in his fingers. He's got pins in his fingers like all the cool kids. That's what they're doing. And Henry Ruggs is starting to feel like a little bit of a, a lost season here or a lot of it of a lost season, which is unfortunate because I know yeah, there's a lot of fancy don't analysts give up out there. On that, 
Well, and, and that's just kind of what I want to, this is the, the narrative I'm going to throw out there. And, and I think you're right. Now this week, obviously you continue to fire up the Nelson Aguilar shares when on that Thursday night games, we welcome in our radio audience here to fantasy sports today on sports grid and Henry Ruggs out again. And Henry Ruggs, I, I kind of agree with you that there's still enough talent there. You know, the organization likes him. That's why they took him first when they had other guys that are arguably more talented on the board. They picked the guy that they thought fit better for what they wanted to do. And what you're seeing right now, at least, is Aguilar in that role that they've developed for Henry Ruggs be incredibly successful. So I guess the question is, is Ruggs next year's Aguilar in terms of stats? Because I think when you're running offenses, you're you're looking for players that are interchangeable in certain kind of modes. And it feels like that's the role that they carved out for Ruggs going into the season. And he hasn't been able to fill it because of injury and also picking up the playbook and all those other you know normal rookie things. But it feels like Aguilar's been successful. So does that role exist next year for you? And do you think Ruggs is one of these post-hype sleeper guys? Yeah, I I, I do still like Ruggs. And I mentioned yesterday, I, I believe Tyree Kill is the best comp that he would love to be if he right. could even get to that point. But I also have to say this. If Ruggs doesn't play another game the rest of the season, without him, they do not go to the playoffs. He catches that pass against the Jets. It was the Raiders' biggest play of the year. I know that the Jets screwed up and it got everybody fired. I understand that. But without Ruggs getting open and running past the guy, uh, pff, Raiders are not playing the Dolphins for a big playoff spot coming up. So uh, I'm, I'm okay with, with Ruggs. Alabama, by the way, has another great receiver coming out in Devontae Smith. A uh, great running back too, and and in general, the Alabama guys usually perform fairly well in the NFL. So I'm willing to give Rugs another chance. Who knows if it'll be with Carr, or maybe with somebody else? I mean, we've been hearing that for a couple of years. Carr was doing so well the first few games, and and now I'm not sure which which direction well, that they're going to head. You know, he so. stumbled. He stumbled a couple weeks ago in Atlanta, but last week, last two weeks were better statistical games for Carr. Kind of got back on track, at least from a statistical I think he threw standpoint. two picks. No. Maybe wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I, I don't remember if he threw two picks in that game or not, but at least in terms of yardage, in terms of touchdowns, from a fantasy perspective, at least he's you want. But, you know, the Raiders' bigger problem right now is not the offense. I think the bigger problem is the defense right the now. Defense, they're just, yeah. you know, they're, they have so many injuries in the secondary, and it's showing. You know, when the Jets are putting you 28 points up on you, that's that's something to, to, to be aware of. So I, I think it's also fascinating because Ruggs' value could get so suppressed next year because of not only how good this wide receiver class was, but also next year's wide receiver class being very good as well. That combination, you could get an incredible discount. Ruggs might be a wide receiver five going into next year's drafts. And that's a fascinating shot to take, almost like a Will Fuller was this year. All right, we'll be right back with Dr. Chow. All your injury information is next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Playoffs are underway. So as we enter the second round, it's time to talk to our good friend, Dr. David Chow at ProFootballDoc.com. ProFootballDoc.com, you can catch his podcast and column over on OutKick each and every week, breaking down all of the injuries in the NFL. Boy, do you need to know this week. Dr. Chow, great to see you again, and uh, 
Did your fantasy team, I remember you you had so many injuries. Did you get to the second round, first round? How, how did everything go? I know you lost I so was, many guys. I was super lucky, right? I mean, uh, first year, I was 10-2, and two, won the division, and had a bye, oh. conference semifinals. Even though Patrick Mahomes was a little shaky against Miami, I was still sitting pretty good to, to move through. And then the uh, Monday night fireworks came. <laughs> you know, Nick Chubb, two touchdowns, oh. Lamar Jackson, this, that, the other. And so uh, I am, uh, I'm, I am free this week weekend. Let's let's put it that way. I am no longer. I I am sitting on the same couch as you this weekend. <laughs> We're watching together, being eliminated from the fantasy football playoffs. Well, All right. Sunday night, I was great. Monday morning, I was great. By the end of Monday night, yeah, it wasn't so good anymore. I mean, if anybody predicted 90 points scored in that Monday night game, let me know, because I, I don't think anybody had that one. So don't feel bad about that. All right. So going into this weekend, I think we're going to focus on on what people need to do in terms of playing specific players for fantasy. So I'm going to start with Antonio Gibson because the re there's a couple of reasons why, Dr. Chow. First reason is I feel like if you had Antonio Gibson, you probably had a good season because you did not draft him at the top, at the middle. Maybe you got him somewhere at the bottom. Maybe you got him off the waiver wire. And then he had this four or five week run where he was carrying some teams. Then he missed last week. They really could have used him. Will Washington have him back? Uh, I do not believe they will. You're going to have to look elsewhere. Uh, obviously, it's still early. Let's see what the practice reports say. But a turf toe for a running back, I don't think he's going to be there. I think you have to count your lucky stars that he got you to this point in the playoffs, and you got to look elsewhere. Mm, that would be a shame. And uh, McKissick has done a really nice job with him not there, especially catching balls out of the backfield. Well, uh, a very rare, uh, you know, sort of early week, midweek report on Matthew Stafford of the Detroit Lions. Here we go again, second straight year with a possibility at the very least of him not playing not only this week, but I saw a report saying he may not play the rest of the season for the Detroit Lions. And Dr. Chow, we went through this last year with David Blau and these other quarterbacks. And, and no disrespect to anyone in the NFL, but when Stafford goes out, like any premium quarterback, the rest of the team suffers. And it may even be time to grab the defense on the other team, especially if those are the quarterbacks we're going to see. What kind of odds do you put on Stafford working through his injuries and playing? Well, I always say return to play is multifactorial. It's not just the injury. It's the player, where are they at the contracts, the team, the coaching situation, and are they in or out of the playoffs? Now, the Lions are still statistically and mathematically in the playoff chase. They're only technically one game out, so to speak. But, I, you know, if they look at it as, I think we're still in it. I think Matthew Stafford plays. He's going to want to play. We said in game it was a rib cartilage injury, not a fracture. That's been confirmed now. Now, it's very painful. He's not going to practice. If you're waiting for him to be 100% and not need a pain-killing injection to play, yeah, it may not be this season. But could he play this Sunday with a pain-killing rib block injection? Yes. I believe he's going to want to. Will the team want him to? They're in transition. They're mathematically in it. And that's why they're saying he's – it's a tough one. He's probably not playing, but we leave the possibility open. So I don't think it's a done 
deal that he's not playing. Look, if they were legitimately having a shot to win the division or be competitive, I believe firmly that he would play. If they were out of it, I believe firmly he would not play. They're kind of in that tweener situation where they're not technically out of it, but they're not really in it either, which makes it hard. Yeah, and since Matt Patricia has been gone, even though they lost to the Packers, they did beat the Bears, and they've looked better at the very least with the coaching change for sure. All right, so from one quarterback to another, and then we'll go to McCaffrey. We always do. But first, first, let's do Drew Brees, our daily or weekly update here on Drew Brees. I, I saw, I'm sure, the same reports you did, but you're a lot more educated on those reports. Uh, look, big matchup for the Saints coming up this weekend. I'm sure they'd love to have Drew Brees play I read last weekend, he was weeks away, then all of a sudden they lost, and here we are again wondering if he has a chance to play this week. So I don't know. What do, what do you think? Well, I think it's going to be up to Sean Payton. My suspicion is Drew Brees wants to play. He always does. My suspicion, based on evaluating the injuries, that it is possible for him to play. If this Sunday were the playoffs, I would guarantee that Drew Brees would play. If something weird happened where – Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston were all of a sudden on a COVID list or something, Drew Brees would play, but that's not the case right now. So we don't know. Only Sean Payton knows, right? He's the final arbiter of, you know, uh, and it's not like he has an evil plan. It's just like in his mind, is it, okay, Drew Brees is pretty good. Let's use him or let's just give him another week. And Kansas city isn't the week for the matchup for him. We still have clearly for the playoffs. They're going to want him. This right. is three games out from the playoffs. They did lose the whole, the uh, number one seed mm-hmm. by losing. They lose the tiebreaker to green Bay. So, you know, and you know, they were eight. No, now they're eight and one without drew Brees the last two years. So I don't know how Sean Payton's going to take that medically. I believe drew Brees could play this Sunday. Mm, fascinating stuff. All right, so our uh, weekly Christian McCaffrey, is he in? Is he out? Uh, I, I know that this has been tough. This has been tough to navigate. I Honestly, Dr. Chow, I cannot imagine that a lot of folks who advance this far in fantasy have Christian McCaffrey. But for the folks that drafted a miracle team and have been rostering him all season, is this the week? <laughs> Look, I think we have finally worn Matt Rule down. This whole season, there's been this, you know, cat and mouse game where he's kind of indicating it's game time decision. He'll play. And basically this whole season, we've been saying for six weeks, ankle, no. And then when a shoulder injury popped up, I said, you know, after the bye. And then after the bye, the tweak quad, and we said, he's not going to go. And I said, I still say he's not going to go. He's more Mm -hmm. likely to not play this entire season, the rest of the season, than to play this week. And Matt Rule actually said something to the effect that he agreed it was unlikely or not probable. I forget exact words. Usually he doesn't say anything. It leads us on. I think he's even gotten tired of this game. Do not expect. However you got to the second round of the playoffs without <laughs> Christian McCaffrey, keep doing it. Don't change because yeah. he's not going to be coming in on a white horse to save you. No, and with the loss for the Panthers this past week, there there certainly isn't a big point. All right, I'll close out with a question about Julio Jones, and if I missed anyone else, feel free to throw it in. Um, I, there was some speculation Jones also may not play the rest of the season. Yeah, and that's part of a, the shutdown, right? I mean, he's been playing hurt all season, part of the towards the end of the season shutdown for veterans. 
so yeah, I, that wouldn't surprise me. Daniel Jones proved that he couldn't move, as we yeah. talked about. I mean, he played, but he couldn't move. He'll be a week better. He'll move some. He's not going to run 30 yards, but he'll be able to run some. He ran none this week. Kyler Murray's healthy. And other places to look, okay, the Denver Broncos, they don't have any cornerbacks. Mm. Their top four cornerbacks are all out. Wow. They had three cornerbacks. Now they have five cornerbacks out. Three of them tore their ACL in the last seven day in the seven day stretch. And uh, also the Eagles, uh, as they this week may not have three of their top four in their secondary. Mm. And uh, Miami obviously may not have an offensive weapon other than Tua, right? Right. Between yeah. Mark got Spurs hurt too. And Gusecki. Yeah. All Gusecki. And all three running backs. So. I mean, uh, you know, uh, you know, a Patriots defense. I don't know. I mean, you know, no, you there's so much. It's there's so much to unpack. Yeah. Uh, well, listen, find, that's find the the little mismatches that to to try and find something. Yeah, and and I think you just said it there again, Dr. David Chow, ProFootballDoc.com. He's going to tell you exactly who to play this week. It's so important to look at the skill positions, but also the other positions on the field. Check out his podcast on Outkick. Follow him on Twitter at ProFootballDoc. Dr. David Chow, great to see you once again. We'll be back next week for the semifinals or for the finals, depending on what league you play in. Thanks again for coming on. Bye. Dr. David Chow with us. we got to take a quick break. We'll be back with more fantasy sports today after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right. Well, the Major League Baseball season is closing on in only a few months away. I know most of you are still very much into football. Honestly, so am I at this point. I'm not drafting any fantasy football teams. Of course, Joe is very heavy in his preparation for baseball season now. He's got his fantasy black book getting ready to come out. And so a lot of our discussions certainly will be players that he talks about in his book. A lot will change between now and February. That is for sure. We still have, I, I believe it is 92% or 91% of the free agents are still out there in Major League Baseball. Is that all? It started at the, <laughs> at the beginning. So we've got a long way to go before we, we get there. But next month, I think we'll have a lot more clarity. Usually if next I week. waited, let me tell you, if I waited to put out the black book till all the free agents signed, I would make $3. That, that's that's what that's the odds of well, two books. I get it. You can't do that. I, I, I get you it. So basically the way that baseball works is this. Uh, we got about a week left until it's over, until the end of the, the start of a new year. It's basically the way that this works. They, there's like a two-week period where most organizations let all their employees go home, and, and that's going to start, I believe, Monday of next week. So I would not expect much starting about Monday or Tuesday through the end of the year. But that's not to say that every single Major League Baseball manager, and credit to credit to the communication staff and, and Major League Baseball, they're making them all available, even though there is no winter meetings, and they're all doing these Zoom meetings and talking to reporters. And fortunately for us here at Sports Grid, we get access to that. So I thought it'd be worth a conversation. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to start off with a team that's actually made some moves. Uh, the Cincinnati Reds. Well, the Cincinnati Reds really haven't added a lot, but they did subtract. They potentially could lose Trevor Bauer, and they already have lost their closer, 
in Rossiel Iglesias. But that's not to say that the Reds don't have some viable options. Honestly, I did not realize how good their bullpen was last year, uh, even mm -hmm. with losing the players that they have lost. And their manager, David Bell, talked about some potential options for them in the ninth inning. Um, you know, we had guys step up last year. TJ Antone kind of came out of nowhere and was a big part of our success. Amir's had, you know, two really good years in a row. Um, Lucas Sims, big year for him. Um, you know, so, you know, guys like, you know, a guy like Sal Romano, who's um, worked so hard to get an opportunity, you know, maybe he gets, gets that chance this year. You know, guys like that that can, that can step up. Um, but we really believe in the formula that we have in place um, to have a successful bullpen. And even though the personnel may be a little bit different, um, you know, we're very confident moving forward. And as far as our rotation, obviously, Trevor, being a free agent, that has to play out. Um, but we still see our rotation as a strength of our team. Um, you know, we had Michael Lorenzen show what he could do as a starter at the end of the year. Um, you know, we, we know he can, he can do that. Um, we know he can be a reliever. He can do whatever he puts his mind to. So if it turns out that it's best for the team that he's a starter, he may be able to step in and, and, uh, be one of our starters, but all in all, we're still, other than Trevor, you know, we're still in a good place with our rotation. You know, it, it is fascinating for me because you, you look at it and they lose Iglesias and Bradley and you think, oh my gosh, who's going to close games? For the Reds next year, they made some terrible, terrible moves. And honestly, did I pay super close attention to what the Reds bullpen did last year? No, but look at this. I mean, they do have a lot of options. I don't know anything about TJ Antone, but look at these dudes' numbers last year. You're telling me <laughs> this guy can't throw the eighth or the ninth? We know who Amir Garrett is. I don't think he'll be the closer, but he certainly, if they mixed and matched, he could get lefties out, that's for sure. Sal Romano, he mentioned, so I put his name on here. I don't, I don't think he's a possibility, but Lucas Sims... A, I don't want to say a failed starter, but once upon a time, a very strong prospect that could have been a starting pitcher also was lights out at the end of last year. And it just goes to show that if you don't pay that close attention, you may miss something. <laughs> I think the Reds are going to be fine. One of those guys is going to well, end up being a closer next year and may end up actually being pretty good. Iglesias may have been a little bit of a luxury for them. It, it may have been. And you keep saying the word lost. They traded him. They made a choice. So I'm not exactly sure where they're going with all this. And the other choice was to let Archie Bradley walk as well, which I thought was kind of odd in considering the timing of then you turn around and then trade Iglesias, who's been one of the more under undervalued unsung heroes of the ninth inning in the last you know four years of baseball. So that was kind of a shocking move. But Amir Garrett is a player that I've had on a lot of teams the last few years, especially in leagues with holds because good strikeout rate. Um, this was a convert pitcher, too. This was a great athlete who came into baseball and to pitching more specifically later in life. So he doesn't have nearly the tread of some other guys. Um, Antone was a player who last year in DFS, we actually you know, he started off as kind of a joke on the podcast. And by the end of it, we kind of said, you know what? This guy is a secondary pitcher on some sites might be worth a shot <laughs> because he had a couple decent outings there. Now, the difference is do numbers always equate to closer mentality? That is the difference. And if I had to put the money somewhere right now, I put it on Amir Garrett because he's got that toughness about him. So the early favorite in my mind, if I was looking ahead going through in 2021 drafts or you're playing best ball and things like that, to me, it would be Amir Garrett right now, only because I think not only does he have the profile statistically, profile the stuff, 
but also profile of the mentality. And I think that is the one thing that doesn't show up in the stats. I think, you know, it doesn't always translate into box scores either, but I think you have to look for that. So for me, Amir Gar is that guy I've had my eye on for, for since he was a minor leaguer. <laughs> I actually had him on a fantasy team as a minor leaguer for years ago. That's how much I like the arm of, of Amir Garrett. So that's the guy I would keep an eye on. But Antone certainly is in that mix, and probably Sims is as well, at least the short time. So this is going to be a wide-open competition showing into spring as of right now. Yeah, I kind of like Sims a little bit. I'm, I'm curious if, if he can do that because once upon a time, he was a very highly thought-of prospect. Uh, the American League Central seems to be a little bit cloudier, I would say, with the Twins sort of being up in the air a little bit, the White Sox being better, the Royals kind of feeling their way back into it. Manager of the Twins, Rocco Baldelli, uh, takes us through what he believes the perception is of his own division, the American League Central. I think the American League Central is is a, is a pretty challenging spot to be in right now. And it was uh, certainly a, a very difficult battle all year long last year and you know we were talking last year mainly about the white Sox and cleveland um but when you look at the young nucleus of players that the the royals um have and the tigers have i mean it, really every every game that you you know show up to i mean you have to be ready to compete i mean these you know that you look at the tigers with the, the young uh uh, pitching that they're you know assembling right now and and the actually the Royals the same deal with with some of those young arms that they have their some of their bullpen guys really figured it out too on top of those starters they're they're really really tough so um you know I think the the Royals you know going out and signing uh you're gonna have to remind me on some of the signings because I don't have them all on the top of my head but I know I know the Royals went out and got Santana from the Indians and and minor and I think they're really you know adding guys that can be impactful, but I also think they're uh, creating a, a situation where they're stabilizing some of those good young players that they have with some guys that they they think they're going to know what they're getting from. Uh, and, you know, I mean, what we know is at any time, we just saw it from the White Sox, at any time, a good young group of players can take the next step and become a, a playoff team or even a dominant team. So I think that's something that, that we're going to continue to see. Obviously, uh, the White Sox, you know, going to get Lynn and, you know, making, making a decision like that. It tells you what they're in it for. They're here. They're not messing around. They're here to win. And we know when we have to play them, we, we can't mess around either. And uh, we have to play well if we think we have a shot to, to beat them. Yeah, the Twins are definitely in an interesting predicament. A couple of big players, of course, of theirs, one of which is Nelson Cruz, who seems to be uh, potentially leaving Eddie Rosario already on the way out. So they're going to have to replace those. And Joe, when you take a look at the dynamic here of the American League Central, there's a lot of moving parts. We have Lynn and Eaton going to the White Sox. The Royals got Santana, Greg Holland. We'll put his name there, but I don't know what he'll be. Uh, Cruz, Odorizzi, free agents, Encarnacion, Brad Hand, of course, on Cleveland. Looks like he's probably not going back there. So, uh, look, the, the Central, I mean, most have it like the White Sox to lose. I don't know that that is fair because they haven't won it yet but they mm -hmm. definitely are on the rise. And from Rocco Baldelli's perspective, it's got to be pretty formidable. I mean, think about it. Between Odorizzi and May, who they lost, and Rosario, who they're going to lose, and Nelson Cruz, who they may lose, the Twins right. kind of windows like just open and shut pretty quick. I hate to say it, but like they may only have a year or two left of, of this club that they have put together. And, and you can't necessarily count on a repeat of what Maeda gave you, which was brilliant last year. I think it was above anybody. I had high expectations, but nowhere near what he performed at. 
And Barrios hasn't quite become the guy, I think, at the top of the rotation they thought. I think Barrios was slated to be a can't-miss ace number one guy, and he has number one type starts, but he's not a consistent number one starter in my opinion. Uh, the stats are there at the end of the year, but they're just like a hair behind those guys that are in that elite tier of starting pitching. And, and look, at some point, maybe he does get there, but I feel like this is a couple of years now of us waiting and it hasn't happened. And I don't think it's crazy to say that the White Sox are in the driver's seat, that the White Sox are the team to beat, and it is their division to lose. We have yet to see the tip of the iceberg here, basically, for Luis Robert and how good he can be. Aloy Jimenez, off the charts, bat. I mean, the guy is just so good. Abreu coming off MVP performance and now you've added lance lynn to this rotation with giolito with keichel you still got kopech see that's the dangerous thing about the white Sox to me craig is they have this incredible mix of young incredible up-and-coming talent not just on the pitching side on the offensive side as well you're still seeing magical come through the system but then you have all these proven veterans these grandals these abreus these lance lynn's these dallas keichel so there's an incredible mix if they can just solidify that bullpen and i don't know if column a is going to be the answer or not he's been okay in his career a little up and down but that's something you can address midway through the season i think the white Sox are loaded and that mix makes them very dangerous because you have upside and a very high floor and I think when the Minnesota Twins look around, they look and they need a lot of things to work out. And losing a guy potentially like Nelson Cruz in the middle of that order, who has been an MVP caliber bat the last two, three years, that's hard to replace, Greg. I don't know if you can replace it. Yeah, it, it's going to be tough. But White Sox definitely have moved themselves into that position. The question is, can they actually come through and do it? Indians have been there. Twins have been there for sure. Royals previously have been there. It's been a while, but we'll see how far they uh they get back to it fantasy reality is coming up next right here on fantasy sports today make sure you stay tuned sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com this is sports grid all right so before we get out of here we got a little fantasy or reality to get to and then of course the sports grid at 60 i'm going to share a uh funny personal story here for the end of the show and uh you'll want to stay tuned for that because it's been uh, a heck of a heck of a week here in my household uh animal related story so we'll get to that coming Uh-oh. up but uh yeah this is this is uh this is a good one so uh but before we do that we had the college football playoff standings released last night. And unfortunately for the Cincinnati Bearcats, they are nowhere near the top four after being undefeated during the regular season. And uh, and look, they do not play in a premium conference. It, it does feel a lot like Central Florida over the last couple of years, and UCF couldn't sniff the championship. They had their own virtual parade saying they won. They went undefeated, but they really didn't. <laughs> Um, but the committee is not changing their opinion, so let's ask Joe if he's changing his. Cincinnati was snubbed in the college football standings that were released last night. Fantasy, oh, Cincinnati was stubbed, uh, snubbed. Fantasy reality. 
I think a little reality here. I, there's truth to the fact that, yes, they're not playing the same sort of teams that other teams are playing, and they're not playing in the SEC in that sense. And I, and I get all that, and, and that is all fair and well and good. But what's the old adage, right? You can only play who's on your schedule. So if you're dominating who's on your schedule, this is the argument, I guess, for everybody to expand the college playoff, right? Let's see what happens if we could take this team in a one-off and put them against you know, the, the best of the best, put them against the Alabamas and the Clemsons and the Notre Dames. Now, the reality is that most of the time when this has happened in the past, those teams have gotten smoked. And it's probably true, but man, for the one-off where it's not, for the UCFs of the world and those teams that are really fun to watch, it's tough because you kind of wonder what if. And I think it's, you know, it's tough for the kids. I think it's tough for the players because they, they recognize how well that they're playing and they want to be recognized. And I think there's a certain amount of pride that goes into that, not just for the coaching staff, but for the players, the student athletes as well. So, yeah, I think they are snubbed a little bit. I mean, I can understand why they're not in the top four. But at the same time, I mean, geez, what more do you have to do? I guess next year, what you have to do is put some other teams on your schedule to prove it. But then you walk that line and then you – start to make things more dangerous because when you start to lose to those teams, maybe you're not that good after all. And then, you know, it's a vicious cycle after that, Craig. So what do you think? Fantasy reality. Do you think Cincinnati was snubbed? Yeah, I think I'm kind of on the same page. I think that maybe they should be eight or seven or, or maybe even six. Look, the big 12 has got to have a team in there. So Iowa state is going to be that team. And the other thing that you said that is true most of the time is that when these teams end up uh, trying to get that respect and they play against one of the big teams they don't always win more often than not they lose um boise state was the one team that sort of broke the mold there where they beat oklahoma on that crazy uh play a few mm -hmm. years ago uh and and, yep. and and so that's the team that got everyone thinking wow we don't have to be in a power five and we can still end up doing well so yeah i, I think they were snubbed look uh, it, it, I got a lot of texts when the Gators came out yesterday at seven, like how in the world, I mean, your Gators should not be number seven. It's ridiculous. They have two losses and, and look, it's the way they lost. That's the reason why. I mean, most people felt they should have won the game against LSU on Saturday and they did not. So I said, it's reality. Cincinnati was snubbed, but again, they're snubbed because of just the schedule and the teams that they play in the conference. The excuse of they played more games and Ohio State did not, that is nonsense. Everyone knew what this 2020 season was going to be, and I'm not going to sit here and, and use excuses based on Ohio State playing five games and the Pac-12 playing four games. I mean, all of that, you had to know what was going to happen in, in college football. It's kids playing. Things were going to get canceled for safety, and, and I'm not using that. But they are a better team than a couple of the teams that are ahead of them, and they should be higher up, that's for sure. Okay, let's move on to the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Saints head coach Sean Payton yesterday talked about Taysom Hill. He also talked Jameis Winston and said that he would have a chance to be the team's starting quarterback after Drew Brees retires. There does seem to be a lot of momentum toward this being the end for Drew Brees this year. So I'm very curious to see if that is indeed the case. It's, it sure feels like it's going to be the case at the end of the season. So let's touch on this one. Fantasy reality, Jameis will start a game for the Saints in 2021, Joe. Yeah, this was a fascinating little bit of news. So you finally lose a game on the road to the Eagles with Taysom Hill's quarterback, and now all of a sudden we get this Jameis Winston. You know, he he's definitely in the mix for a starter next year. Oh, really? Really, Sean Payton? No kidding. Well, that's fascinating news to all of us. That's fantastic. I'm glad you got to drop that on us now. Now, when are you dropping that on us? I'm going to say this is a reality. I, I think that they are going to have some insurance. I think Winston is that insurance, and they'll go in there probably with Winston and Taysom Hill and a quarterback competition next year. And look, it'll probably end up better than some of the other, I would say, bottom third of the league teams that are struggling to find a quarterback. I think they'll make it work. 
clearly you can win games with Taysom Hill. The question is, can Sean Payton get out of Jameis Winston what no other coach has gotten, which is taking all the talent, the big arm and all that stuff and start to teach him how to limit the mistakes because Bruce Arians couldn't do it and the coach before that couldn't do it. So I guess the question is, is that going to be finally where the buck stops? Is it stop with somebody like Sean Payton? Now, I think Sean Payton's up to the task. But then again, I'm also the fool that thought Bruce Arians was probably up to the task too. Did not work out that way. So maybe Winston is this guy who is just prone to too many mistakes. Maybe Winston is this guy that just cannot be taught. Now, he has sat for an entire season underneath Drew Brees, one of the best top five, in my opinion, to ever play the position. Mm-hmm. Sean Payton, great quarterback coach over his time. Great head coach over his time. Guy's been in the league forever. Quarterback himself. Rosarians was too, though. And and I guess this is my concern. But I, I think it is a reality that he will start a game. Now, I don't think he's no, he's going to be the starter. Is he going to start all 16 games for them? That is crazy. Nobody knows that. But I think it was a very smart acquisition to bring him in. The timing in which they did it. They got him on the cheap. They got him in a good situation. So you have a spot here where there is potential for it. And if I was in a dynasty league, I would pick him up and just kind of stash him as my third quarterback in a deeper dynasty league, just in case, because it's ready-made there with Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara to be fantasy relevant, because guess what? Last year, he threw 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. It was fantasy relevant, despite all the interceptions. So even if he just dials back a little bit some of the mistakes, he can still be a very viable quarterback in fantasy so i think it's a reality i think you will see him at some point start games next year for the saints what do you think craig now now you think he starts regardless correct just to be clear on this like you think that he i think he's will get well, a the chance. question is will he start a game and i think he will get a chance to start a game i really but, do but what do you I, think, based on what though is my question in your opinion well look i think what you've seen out of Taysom hill so far is that you can win games with Taysom hill the question is, can you win a Super Bowl with Taysom Hill? The question is, can you win divisions? Now, look, that same question can be said with Jameis Winston, right? But Taysom Hill is older. Taysom Hill is historically been so far in this offense more of that gimmick side player and maybe that traditional sit-in-the-pocket quarterback. Oh, look, what I've seen in Taysom Hill, especially last week, was a guy who sat in the pocket, wasn't making good reads, and was holding the ball too long. And when we're talking about turnovers, let's not forget, he's got 10 of them already. Taysom Hill has 10 fumbles, five of them lost. So at that point, who's to say that you're better or worse off with Jameis Winston in terms of turnover? So I'm just saying, I think that's starting to come to light a little bit. And if you're worried about, well, Taysom Hill is a guy who might not turn over the ball as much as Winston, I think that becomes a bit of a a fallacy right now when you're sitting back and looking at it. So I think there's some time to evaluate, and I think it will be a competition in the offseason. And it wouldn't shock me if Winston won it. And also wouldn't shock me if Taysom Hill won it. And then at some point in time, they go to Winston instead. So starting a game next year. Yeah, I think he will. Okay. So I'm going to say fantasy, but I will say this. I I do look, it's the NFL guys get hurt a lot. And if Hill gets hurt, Winston is clearly going to start. I don't think there's another scenario that it happens. I'm going to say fantasy. I think Taysom Hill is Sean Payton's guy. Taysom Hill has been Sean Payton's guy before Winston got there. He's been quarterbacking. He's been coming in with Drew Brees. Hall of Famer is there. I, I mean, it is my opinion. I I don't even think Taysom Hill is going to fail. I think he's going to be very good at quarterback, but he could get hurt. And that's why the question is difficult, because if he does get hurt, then Winston's there as the backup and he would play. So he would start one game there. I mean, it's the equivalent of asking whoever the backup is in Detroit. You know, will that will David Blau start a game? And that's and I would say only because if Stafford gets hurt. then yet the answer is yes. Uh, I have it only because of injury. I don't. I don't have it because of ineffectiveness. I think Hill's going to be good. That's. But again, that's my opinion. I. I, I, so. I think Winston. 
is not good. And and I would not consider him starting ever, in my opinion. Okay, okay. let's close it out with this. Uh, the Hoff is back. David Hasselhoff, right? What a huge, huge record he's getting ready to put out. When you say record, that's like 1986. What a huge song that he's putting out. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little bit of a heavy metal tune here. And uh, and David Hasselhoff, man, you know, he's he's done a lot of great things in the past. He's one of the most popular artists across the pond. But the question is, Joe, David Hasselhoff, fantasy or reality based on his song can pull off the medal. Well, look, let's just say a lot of people didn't think David Hasselhoff could pull off a lot of things. But Through the Night is the new track that is dropped. And I listened to it before the show today. And I got to tell you. It is, um, it's kind of harkens back to more of like the eighties, you know, I would say Dio esque, if you're a metal fan, kind of a little bit more theatrical as one would think. And David Hasselhoff has played, uh, Jekyll and Hyde on Broadway. So what's weird about it is you get the David Hasselhoff, you know, sort of Broadway voice when he's singing, but it's got that dun, 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 behind it, which is a little weird. It's a weird combination of things. And there's something really cheeseball and corny about it that kind of works for me, but that's just me. And I can't just answer this question for me. I have to answer this question for the masses because I'm on television. So I'm going to say, unfortunately, it's a fantasy. He can't pull off metal. But you know what? Man, I love the Hoff for trying. You got to love this guy. I mean, he's, he's always out there. He's got a good, good sense of humor about himself. He knows he's a punchline. He shows up in incredible moments like in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, fantastic cameo for about all of eight seconds that is totally worth whatever they had to pay him to get him on set for that day in dodgeball he's got a great cameo in that movie i mean he knows it's a joke like he knows people mock him and he embraces it and he's made money off of it so at the end of the day the hoff is the one that's laughing and we can all say oh david hasselhoff do a man but you know what He's going to be laughing all the way to the bank because that's what the Hoff does. You know, Baywatch was like the most watched show, right, in the world at one point, which is mm -hmm. stunning to think about. That's that's where we were. But I grew up like Craig with Knight Rider. The Hoff has been a stable of my entertainment universe since I was a wee lad. I got nothing but respect for the Hoff. I love the fact that he's been able to endure over what now? Four decades? How many entertainers can say four decades? They've somehow found a way to be relevant and I use relevant with a lowercase r, but relevant nonetheless. The Hoff, no, metal's not his thing, unfortunately. But man, I, I enjoy the try, Craig. Yeah, I'm going to say fantasy. And, and look, I've always been a Hasselhoff fan from the Knight Rider days. Watched that show. I think Miami Vice and, and Knight Rider were on together. And then there was like a show called Manimal, I think, that was on, like after all those, oh. if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah, well, pretty I, sure. I remember. I remember Knight Rider and the A-Team. Like, that was like, I, if I, somehow, like, if my parents didn't realize that the, and I was still awake and the TV was on and then the A-Team turned on, it's too violent. Don't watch the A-Team. Oh, go back and now watch some of the cheeseball violence of the A-Team. I can't even imagine how funny it probably is. We probably sit there and just laugh ourselves silly. But that was the whole thing. It's like, no, no, you're too young to watch the A-Team. I know you and that van full of vigilantes trying to find their own brand of justice. No, no, go to bed, Joseph. Go to bed. No, mom, I'm staying up and I'm watching the A-Team. I was a rebel. I don't, I don't think there is a 80s. single person watching us that even knows what that is because they're watching I on some streaming well, platform. Well, there was a reboot of the A-Team not that long ago with Bradley Cooper. The old show, though. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, I, the old show. Mr. T. I agree with you. I watched it. I watched it all the time. A-Team. Come on. Everybody wanted to be on the A-Team. Look. Yeah. When you have nowhere else to go. Right? Yeah, hey, look, when you have nowhere else to go, Craig, 
you have to call the A-Team. That's what the A-Team is there for. But, you know, too bad they didn't do a crossover episode where the A-Team in the van and, and Kit and David Hasselhoff, that would have been where it's at. You know, it sounds like a very 80s thing to do. I don't know how they missed that. Terrible. Yeah. Bad job. All right. We got to take a break here on the show. We got the Sports Grid 60 coming up next. So make sure you stay tuned. And we'll be back on the grid right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. We've got a couple minutes to go. We'll be back tomorrow at noon Eastern. Before we get out of here, let's turn it over to Joe. He's got the Sports Grid 60. Joe? Well, I'll be brief because I can't wait to get to the animal story, whatever that might be. So I'll say this. This is a true story. This morning I was watching a little NFL and they said, uh, you know, the NFL is deciding that they're probably not going to do any sort of bubble system around the playoffs. They like where their numbers are at. And things are going well. And then, yeah, they haven't had to cancel officially a game on the schedule yet. And then immediately the next story was, and Henry Ruggs is tested positive for COVID, to which I thought, well, that's kind of odd. Are things going all that well? And you're still getting all these positive tests that are creeping up. And were we not just in a complete cluster two weeks ago with the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers? I think we were. Look, NFL, don't get cocky at the end. You've made it through this far. If you can quarantine some folks and put them in hotels and little bubbles for the playoffs, please give us our playoffs. Keep the integrity of the game when the integrity of the game matters most. Please, let's finish strong. All right. Uh, ending the show today, I have a dedication to make because, unfortunately, uh, in my house, we uh, had a, we we lost somebody this past week, a couple of days ago. Um, don't know the name, never gave him a name, but I've lived in my house for 15 years here in South Florida, and never once have we had any kind of wild animal running around in the house. Well, three weeks ago, that did happen. We had uh, a little mouse. Uh, running around the floor. Uh, my wife and daughter were absolutely freaking out and were ready to move. Um, couldn't have been bigger than my uh, thumb here, but nonetheless, it had been living in my wall, uh, just going back and forth for weeks. I tried and tried talking to the mouse, please come out, please leave. This is going to cost you your life. Leave the house. But he refused and he would not give up. And so the exterminator came and put in the mouse traps. And I was hopeful that he would just take look at those mouse traps and run, run, mouse, run, get out of my house, save your life. But he did not. And he was caught. And his life came to an end the other day. So this edition of Sports Grid basically is dedicated to this poor mouse who spent three weeks in our wall. He had a couple of little pieces of beef jerky and tried to survive, but he made a very bad choice. That'll do it for the show. Thanks to LTN, Brett, Danny, Ryan, my co-host Joe. I'm Craig Mitch. Have a great day, everybody. See ya.